You can't keep using tools of oppression and expect to raise free people. This week's episode is going to be a little bit different. Now, I told you a little bit about it last week that we were going to be tucking different series right inside this particular show so that you didn't have to go somewhere else to find these new series, at least not at first. So we're doing that. And we are starting this week with my good friend and such an inspiring, resilient, beautiful inside and out woman and mama and entrepreneur and self-directed education believer, (laughs) Monique Allison. We call her Mo. And she is going to be talking to you about her process for surviving survival mode. So you get episode one of surviving survival mode today. If you could see me right now, like I might have to just do a little video excerpt because my right hand is literally in the air. I have my microphone and I'm swaying from side to side, just rocking. (laughs) That's the energy that I'm feeling right now because it is such an important part of our self-determination process to hear from and see and experience other Black folks, Indigenous folks, other people of color doing the sort of work and thinking out loud, planning, plotting, strategizing about how to get free, how liberation looks for them on a daily basis. So all of this, y'all, all of this is about de-schooling our mindset and aligning with what self-determination looks like for us, right? And for a lot of us as people of color, you know, I really prefer the term now by POC, like Black, Indigenous, and people of color. So I want to start using that term more. It doesn't feel like semantics because there's people of color that covers a lot of things. And then there's Black folks and Indigenous folks. And for me, as a Black woman, there are things that I know are specific and unique to the struggles and the needs of Black people. Now, obviously, that doesn't diminish the struggle and the needs of indigenous folks or people of color, but this term is helpful for me because it feels a lot more inclusive. So I will be saying by POC, and that's what I mean. It's an acronym, Black Indigenous People of Color. All right. That tangent (laughs) was so that I could firmly assert the point of doing the podcast in this way, tucking in other people's experiences and stories inside of it. As you listen, as you hear their stories, as you hear the unique differences in how they deconstruct colonization and strategize around liberation, my hope is that this informs your politic, your belief, your actions too, and so that you can figure out what self-determination looks like for you and yours on a daily basis. The show notes page for this episode is akilasrichards.com forward slash 78. I read this quote by Nikita Gill. It's called People Survive in Different Ways. And I'm not going to read the entire quote because it's kind of long. But in the very beginning says, some people survive and talk about it. Some people survive and go silent. Some people survive and create. 
And that's the whole point of me sharing my experience because I want to create a space where we can have conversation around during this time of stress when things aren't ideal and wonderful and magical and we're not on cloud nine. How do we course correct? How do we change our habits, our perspectives? How do we mentally shift so that we can start thriving in life? So in this podcast series, I'm going to start sharing my life as I shift from survival mode to the beginning stages of thrive mode. This is Monique Allison, and you are listening to Surviving Survival Mode podcast series. I'm going to be talking about the habits that I'm changing, practices that I'm doing, and also talking to other women as they share their version of survival mode. Even though I feel really vulnerable sharing my story, I really hope that it resonates on a level that will empower and encourage others to make necessary changes in their lives so that we are not just surviving our circumstances, but we're doing things that's going to position us to really thrive. The idea of surviving, I think, is something that's so much a part of our story. We don't realize that actually the people who came before us, they were thriving. They didn't just survive it. They thrived in spite of oppression and enslavement and kidnapping and murder and torture. Like they thrived out of it and still like can find joy, even though the world is topsy-turvy. Along with the trauma that was passed, yeah. that gene of thrive is so in us, but there's so many levels that are introduced through schooling and sometimes religion or whatever that take us away from that. We just want to make it. I remember it being 2016 and it was the beginning of the new year and I knew that I wanted to approach the year in a different way. So I wanted to be more intentional. I wanted to be more conscious of choices that I made and just navigate life in a different approach. And I remember finding this book called Living with Intent by Malika Chopra. And in the book, there's an, an exercise called My Balance Wheel. And you basically draw a circle, you write all the different areas in your life, and then you label them according to how you're experiencing them. And you have three options. You could either be suffering in those areas, surviving or thriving. And I remember when I did the exercise, I had a lot of areas where I felt like I was suffering in those areas, barely surviving and just like one or two where I felt like I was thriving. And to me, that was like kind of off. I was like, I need this to be way more aligned than what it is. And um, as time went on, I realized that I got stuck in survival mode. The areas that I felt like I was suffering in, they were more temporary because I they were like unpleasant experiences that I was having. And I was emotionally suffering through it, but I was able to be resilient and move on and, um, you know, and get through those moments. Those you just have moments where you can suffer something, suffer a loss, or you're just in a sad space or unhappy or you're grieving and you move forward from it. But the surviving mode, 
I got stuck in that space and I want to unpack that and talk more about it and just give space to really understand how to survive survival mode and how to really get to a space where you're thriving in all the areas in your life. So let's talk about what's happening when you're in survival mode. When you're in survival mode, in spite of the hardships and the challenges that you're faced with, you have to use so much more mental, emotional, and physical energy just to push through the day. And not to even deal with like crazy, crazy things. Pushing through the day with basic things, like making basic decisions, like you're contemplating how to take care of yourself. Should I take a bath? Should I comb my hair? You're probably not even thinking about taking a bath or combing your hair and doing those. The capacity to even deal with that stuff is out the window. Just thinking about getting enough sleep, you're not even considering that. Making the right food choices, exercising, maintaining relationships with people that's not in your household, managing your feelings and thoughts like the things that you've been doing as an adult for years, all of a sudden, well, not I shouldn't say all of a sudden, but when you're in, in that space where you're trying to survive, those things become so much more difficult to manage. And I know I'm not the only person that's experienced being in that space and that's moved forward from that space. But I want to share with you how things showed up for me. It's a really uncomfortable and vulnerable space to be in. And for me, it was basically because I was just so unprepared for the things happening back to back to back like that. Like I was like, what the You know what I'm saying? I was like, what's happening? My sense of security was at risk. Like it seemed like every day. And then I was getting to a space where I was feeling really hopeless because I'm like, I'm putting out this fire and then it's two more over here and I don't have the resources. And I was just like spinning and I just felt so isolated. I was always in a reactionary space. I'm always reacting to something that's happened. I didn't have enough breathing room to be proactive for some of the things. And I remember having a conversation and trying to explain what I was going through because as I said, I was like disconnected. I wasn't able to really sustain, you know, relationships as I would like. And they were like, well, what's your five-year plan? And, you know, and I, I can, I was just like, I can't think about five years from now. I have a 24-hour plan. How my ass going to get through 24 hours? you know, how I'm going to get through the next 24 hours. But what I did realize was being in survival mode is not sustainable. So I have to figure out how to survive survival mode. So it's been two weeks in a space where I feel like I'm moving out of survival mode and trying to create sustainability and, um, recognizing what's not working for me in this space because it's just, like I said, it's not sustainable. First, I had to like have a mental shift because I was creating anxiety and I had to realize like I can only control what I can control, like only focus on that. Don't worry about the things that I can't control. And once I was able to do that, it opened up space for me to focus on changing my health and, you know, looking at the things that I really need to work on that's not helping me in this space. 
And so the first thing that I wanted to work on was my physical health. Because <laughs> in the survival space, like I was dealing with hot flashes, bad knees, weight issues, just like different things about my body that I felt like I needed to to do something to change it. And so I started a 30 day body reset, the eating reset, like just eating clean so that I can see how my body's going to naturally adjust to me eating differently and eating better. And so I'm two weeks in. It wasn't hard, but it wasn't easy. And so I just had to resort to what I know worked for me and then make adjustments as I went along. So I just bought the foods that I, because I've done this before. I didn't do it as a lifestyle change. It was like a challenge. I did it. So I know I was capable of doing it. But this time around, I wanted to be more long lasting. So I went to my go-to things, did the farmer's market trip, got the grains and got the vegetables and got the fruits, got my mangoes and the stuff of my shake that I know I'm going to have in the morning. So I did those things and just working with what I know worked helped me to transition easier into changing my eating habits. The mental part is still there though, because I'm still cooking for my son and smelling chicken and seeing all these things. And I'm like, oh my gosh, but I have the control, the mental strength to like cook him food and still make my salad on the side. It was easy to be able to cook food for my son and not take a bite of the chicken and still make my salad because I was reminding myself of how it feels not to be in a healthy space and what I'm looking forward to. And that alone is just making me stay committed to the decision I made. It's just even just that, just being committed to myself, you know, not giving up on this goal, I guess I should say that I'm working towards, but I want to not have my knees hurting me. I want to not have hot flashes. I'm 42. And I'm like, this, this should be happening. And I know it's hormonal related. And this is what I have control of. Like I was saying before, work on the things that I do have control of. You know, I don't really know exactly what's causing the hot flashes, but I know it's related to my health. So just rem reminding myself about that. Like I want to be able to walk down the stairs without my knees hurting, <laughs> you know, just like the, just the normal things to have a good quality of life. And it's just staying committed to myself, really. So even though I'm changing how I'm eating, granted, it doesn't change other things that I feel like I'm trying to survive or change or process, but it puts me in a better mental space. I feel better. I feel like I can focus better to see that I have control and that personal power to change something. And I feel like doing that will allow me to, to use those same tools to change the other things because it's so many other things that I need to change. So if I can accomplish that, I can eat clean for 30 days, then I can really change my mindset with the things that I need to do to not procrastinate or to be more consistent. I can make that commitment as well. Change certain habits that's not beneficial to me. Just use that same mindset to change anything else that's not working for me. So in addition to shifting the eating, the other areas in my life that's shifting is the focus on pursuing entrepreneurship in a different way, but my attention is more geared towards reaching this goal. Like food takes up so much of your time in regards to even preparing certain foods like seasoning the meat and, you know, doing all those things. Or for me, I used to think about, well, what can I eat next? I didn't realize how much food consumed me mentally. And so because I went to the grocery store and I have myself being prepared and having the things you need helps with the commitment. 
So I had my raisins and sunflower seeds or my hummus and pita chips. It's a go-to thing. It's like something simple to eat. And so I'm not taking too much time preparing lunch or dinner or whatever. It's something really easy. Grab a fruit while I'm putting some goals together or working on an idea or just planning. One of the things that I had to start implementing was planning because surviving was like 24 hours. And so I want to look past that. I want to look beyond Monday and say, you know, next month, what am I working towards? And so it gave me more time and more headspace to plan, to be more focused on what do I need to do instead of just pay this bill for today or make sure I have clean clothes or make sure we have dinner for tonight. But okay, there's an event, there's a or summit that I want to send a proposal to and I want to be a part of, you know, these things to where I have more mental space. I'm not worrying. I'm not having anxiety because I have control over one part of my life. So because I have more headspace from getting one part of my life on track, I've given myself space to think about other things. So planning for things to happen beyond one day of the week. You at times can be in this hopeless space. You see the light at the end of the tunnel, but you feel like you can't get to it. Or sometimes you don't even see the light. You're just like, I don't see a light. Everything is just, you're just in the dark space. But now I can think about how to get to that light at the end of the tunnel and plan to get there. And so for me, part of the surviving thing was the financial piece. And so getting additional income. So I've been able to really think about and plan on different ways to create income, to bring income into my household. And so using certain tools like Trello has been this this thing I've been using a lot to help me plan things out and manage goals. And so knowing what type of work I want to do, is it meaningful work? Do I just want to do any kind of work? Just being clear about the goal I'm setting in regards to the work that I want to do. And so recently I realized that I want to do research. So being a research assistant, like I'm naturally a researching person. I'm a life learner. I like to learn. I like to read. And so naturally I like to research things and I'm a psychology major. I like to learn about people and behavior. I'm just all into that type of stuff. So how do I become a research assistant? And so I planned um how to do that. And, you know, I pretty much have the natural skills. There are places where you can get free courses. So I'm like, oh, on Coursera, you can take free classes on analyzing data and how to collect data and surveys. And so that's a step like, okay, this week, let me sign up. Let me enroll in a course on um getting more insight on the skills I need to become a research assistant and look for jobs. I already have a resume that's geared toward that experience I already have. So those are steps that I'll start taking and then applying to those jobs. That's where I have the headspace to really plan. It just helps me to really focus in and reach a goal and being more proactive about the things that I want to do. The other thing that's been helpful, it's been not having to manage my son being in a standardized school system. He's in a self-directed education learning center. It's a more freeing space for him to be in and also for me because even though your child is the one in school as a parent, you take on a lot of the load as well. You have to manage that. You have to help them with homework, with projects, you know, do all these extra things that takes up a lot of your time. But in the space that my son is in, it's a really good space for him because he has additional things he has to manage. And doing homework is one less thing that he has to deal with. And so he has several chronic illnesses. He has sickle cell. 
He has renal vascular hypertension. He has hydrocephalus. He has chronic pain. And those things come with different symptoms at different times in his life. And it requires doctor's appointments, medication management, helping him deal with it emotionally. And so tacking on homework and projects and all those other things that come along with school, he doesn't have to deal with that. He's in a space to where he can, according to him, he really just want to be with friends and get to cook and come out with new ideas. And so he's in a, a really good space to where he gets to cook. He loves cooking. He watches cooking shows all day, every day, all the time, which is great. He teaches me things about cooking and the culinary arts, but he's in a space where he can cook. He has really good experiences where he can be sociable with other kids. He found his best friend in this space. They have the same weird sense of humor. <laughs> he has been cooking these beignets that's off <laughs> the chain. That's like the hit at the school. So he's taking personal responsibility with this thing he says he wants to do. I want to cook. I want to be in the culinary arts. To what capacity, I don't know, but this is where he's at right now. So in the space he's in, they just facilitate that. That's his intention. He picks what he wants to cook. He figure out the ingredients. He gets to go to the grocery store. He gets to cook it. And then he's the type of person that he doesn't experience things just to himself or internally he likes to share his experience so the part where people are like oh this is really good and he can save someone some beignet and like he loves that part of it as well so it just brings out a different side to him and I just love to see him in this space to where he can just be himself and there's no pressure with the other schooly things he gets to talk about the shows he's watching he's been getting into this space to where he's watching the Fresh Prince and it's like so new to him, but so old to me, but then it's still new for us. So we're just in a really good space to where we're getting to, we're not even getting to know each other, but it's, it's no pressure or no tension when it comes to school, you know, so. One of the things that kept me stuck in survival mode was how I judged myself. I really felt like I should have been doing something else. I should have been in a different space. I should be making this type of money. I just felt like my quality of life should have been at a different place. I felt like I failed. I felt like things were just falling apart. That's valid for me. Like things were falling apart, but. I got stuck in that space for a long time. And that's why shifting mentally was really important because it's that whole cognitive process to where your thoughts impact how you're feeling and impact your actions. Because I was always thinking that I failed, it prevented me from asking for help a little sooner because I'm like, I'm going to have to be vulnerable and tell another adult that me as an adult, Things are not working for me and it's like a cycle. So I don't ask for the help and it's someone that could have helped me earlier. And so I get stuck in a situation where I don't get the help and then I feel bad because things are not working out. It's like this really crazy cycle. And um, I just had to 
to move on from that, like move past that. I was feeling like this has been happening forever when it's just been like six months or a year. And I've had things together, quote unquote, together and in control for most of my life. You know, I started working when I was 15, went to college and worked and went to school. And I've, you know, had those things like had the house, you know, the car and all these things. And I've done these things and managed a nine to five. And and so to find myself at 42, having to say, I can't pay this or I need help with this or this is not working out. It just messes with you mentally and emotionally. And I just remember when I would get in contact with with family or friends and people were like, hey, what's been going on? I was so I was hypersensitive because I always felt like I was going to get judgment. So I would kind of put myself out there like I would kind of make sure I said the negative things that were happening. So I wouldn't hear someone else saying that stuff back to me because then it adds to the, the judgment again. So those type of things just kind of kept me stuck. And thankfully, I just at some point it changed to where I mean, I did ask for help, but it was after I asked for help, I'll probably like balled up in a corner like I can't believe I had to ask for help. And so processing all of that and then having to be able to get to a point where you can ask for help and be like, you know, this is what I'm going through. I'm asking for help. Thank you. If you can help me, if you can, it's still okay, And just keep it moving and figure it out and not feeling shame or ashamed about it. The other thing was, it was all mental. No one was really judging me. People were more so like, oh, if I had known, I could have done this or I would have helped. And so it was kind of self-sabotage me, keeping myself in that space. Once I was able to do that, I opened myself up. My coping mechanism is to process things on my own and that's okay that's that's how I cope but then there's a time where I need to engage with other people to open up my perspective and to help me realize whether it's things are not that bad or hey there's a different way to look at how you can resolve this because I was closing myself off from different perspective because I only saw one way how to solve something and if I didn't have the tools or resources to solve it that one way I just assume there was no other way to fix it or there wasn't a way around it. So when I was able to talk to other people, realizing that other people were going through similar things or they would say, hey, have you tried this? Or they have this thing going on or this is an option. And it's like, oh, I didn't think about that. Or just a simple mental shift of you're in a different, I guess not system, but a different way of life. You're not in the nine to five way of living anymore. So you can't expect to function that way or just really looking at my life individually. I'm a single black mother taking care of a child with several chronic illnesses. How dare you compare yourself to someone that things are totally different. They may not have kids or if they do, they may have a husband or their dynamics and the different variables are different for them. So I have a different situation going on. So I have to make choices that's going to benefit us. Like when I'm thinking about a job, I have to prioritize flexibility because I need to be available for whenever I need to attend to things with my son. And so flexibility. So a job is going to have to be able to allow me the flexibility. I want to work somewhere that's meaningful. Not that I'm not going to do a job that I may need to do, but for the most part, 
something meaningful, I want to prioritize that and reminding myself that my life is different than the next person's life. The decisions that I made were the decisions I had to make to that's going to work for us. So unschooling and not working a nine to five to pursue entrepreneurship and all these different things. So just really having that reflection and not shaming myself and not blaming myself and just owning this is where I'm at. I'm in survival mode. I'm at a place where I understand it's not sustainable and I'm planning to do things, making those shifts and changes so that I can thrive. The show notes page for this episode is akilasrichards.com forward slash seven eight. What you're listening to is me implementing this change up habit, which has been a really good tool for me. Change up refers to a process of creating and iterating agreements based on underlying needs, values, or desires. The agreements are worked through various levels of practice until they become fully integrated as a norm or new way of being. So in order for me to even think about thriving in life, I had to have this level of awareness that survival mode was not sustainable. And that was the catalyst for me to start implementing the change of process. The change of process was designed for helping groups and communities hack our default culture and to create our own healthy, intentional microcultures that can support the autonomy of the individual as well as the alignment of the group. I had to recognize or really just explore the value in me changing certain habits. How valuable would it be for me to start eating more healthy and getting better sleep, changing my mindset and practicing self-care? Like, what would be the value in me doing that? The change of process can also be used on a purely individual level to hack our own default ways of being and to do better to align our actions with our own personal needs, values, and desires. It would definitely help me to create sustainability so I can start thriving. So then I had to come up with personal agreements for myself to start practicing within this certain time frame, just to really see the results of a change of habit and mindset. That's where I'm at. Implementing and integrating this change of process as I emerge out of survival mode. Before I wrap this episode up, I want to say thank you to Kelly She shared her piece on how we have been surviving and thriving in spite of. And Kelly is the co-host along with Tynesha Matthews of the Get Well Podcast. And I also want to say thank you to Thomas. He shared a simplified explanation of the change of process. And Thomas is the co-founder of an Agile Learning Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. And he also works with Akila on the organizing board of the Alliance for Self-Directed Education and he uses the change of process all the time. And so thank you so much for listening to episode one of Surviving Survival Mode Podcast.